Thanks for listening to the Cornerstone Tulsa podcast. Our mission is to cultivate communities shaped by the gospel for the renewal of all things. We'd love for you to join us on Sundays at 9.30 or 11 right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We're calling this year the Year of the Bible as we read and study through the Bible cover to cover. On August 25th, we'll kick off the New Testament along with home-based small groups who will study the weekly reading together. If you'd like more information about any of this, visit our website at cornerstonetulsa.org. And with that, let's hop into this week's teaching. It's from Lamentations 3, 1 through 24. I am the one who's seen trouble, trouble coming from the lash of God's anger. He took me by the hand and walked me into pitch black darkness. Yes, he's given me the back of his hand over and over and over again. He turned me into a scarecrow of skin and bones, then broke the bones. He hemmed me in, ganged up on me, poured on the trouble and hard times. He locked me up in deep darkness like a corpse nailed inside of a coffin. He shuts me in so I'll never get out, manacles my hands, shackles my feet. Even when I cry out and plead for help, he locks me up. He locks up my prayers and throws away the key. He sets up blockades and quarried limestone. He's got me cornered. He's a prowling bear tracking me down, a lion in hiding ready to pounce. He knocked me from the path and ripped me into pieces. When he finished, there's nothing left of me. He took out his bow and arrows, and he used me as target practice. He shot me in the stomach with arrows from his quiver. Everyone took me for a joke, made me the butt of their mocking ballads. He forced rotten, stinking food down my throat, bloated me with vile drinks. He ground my face into the gravel. He pounded me into the mud. I've given up on life altogether. I've forgotten what the good life is like. I said to myself, this is it. I'm finished. God is a lost cause. I'll never forget trouble. The utter lostness, the taste of ashes, the poison I've swallowed, I remember it all. Oh, how well I remember. The feeling of hitting the bottom, there's one thing I remember, and remembering I keep a grip on hope. God's loyal love couldn't have run out. His merciful love could not have dried up. They're created new every single morning. How great your faithfulness. I'm sticking with God, and I will say it over and over again. He's all I've got left. Let us pray. Lord, all week I've been reading the text and I know the dark times. I know the shallow times, the times that you feel like every single thing is against you. And Lord, there was a time that I did not know you. Maybe I don't have all the verses memorized. But what I did realize is that you've put people in my midst, people that are beacons, people that are, height, are light and they're hope. And when I look at my surroundings and I look at those people, it is you that is shining through. 
There's never been a time, never been a season, no matter how low my valley has been, that I have not walked to the other side. Lord, I pray that all of us in here, that as we walk through the valleys, that we may turn to you, that we may realize that you don't need memorization, you don't need to know exactly what every verse says, but what you need is a relationship with our Lord because he loves you and he will get you through this. So Lord, I ask you today that you fill this room and that you fill churches across the world with the Holy Spirit. Come inside of us, give us that hope and that light that you desire. And let us remember when we are not in the valleys, we are somebody else's hope. Lord, fill us with that light. As for Jimmy to be filled with that Holy Spirit, that our hearts and minds will be open to hear it today. I ask this in your name. Amen. Some of you I know, a handful, but I guess you got to tell you, it makes me so happy to be here this morning, to walk in and to see John Odom doing the thing that those of us who have known him for so long, he's always been called and ordained to do. And it is the sweetest thing for me to see him uh, being your pastor and the, the joy that I have knowing how much he's, he cares for you uh, is fantastic. So whatever I may be, Sage or just a guy who's trying to figure it out, John, you are a pastor and you've always been to all your friends and even your teachers, and that's the truth. So... So it's 4th of July weekend. There's a soccer game going on today. Um, we're supposed to probably be celebrating something and hopefully the win of the soccer game. And when John asked me to speak and I said yes, uh, I, I didn't put together what weekend that it was going to be. And it's uh, Lamentations, like the hardest book in the Bible besides uh, maybe, uh, well, he did, Song of, he did Song of Songs, which is also a difficult book. The book of Job is a difficult book. But Lamentations is five chapters in the Bible that is just what the title of it is in English. Like, it's just lament. Lament, which is, you know, the, in Hebrew, the, the first word of, of uh, Lamentations is basically how. Like, how is this possible? How can this be happening? And it's this series of poems that are put together that do all the gambit of all the emotions when life is not going the way you want it to go. When you feel out of control, when you are past the edge of faking it, and you're just broken, and you don't know what to say to people, and you don't know what to pray. And uh, if you'll turn your Bibles to Lamentations, we're going to be looking at some, some different passages, but we're going to look at some things in Lamentations. It's after the book of Jeremiah, about halfway through. I was telling some friends that I don't really feel qualified to speak on this. Like, I can speak from, from a uh, kind of a biblical studies perspective, and I can speak on it from like a historical perspective. But the truth is, is when I think about what this describes, I've, I've never experienced anything close to the suffering that the book of Lamentations describes. And the truth is, is there may be people in this room who've experienced, I've, I've met people who've experienced things like this. Uh, his hometown has been destroyed. The author 
And he's sitting and he's writing these poems and he's describing somewhat what he sees. He's probably sitting maybe on the Mount of Olives or somewhere where he's looking down on the city. And what he sees is utter destruction. And what he's remembering are things that we don't, I don't even want to talk about here, to be honest. I'm glad the children are gone. Things like, should moms have to eat their children's flesh to survive? Right? The whole city was sieged and it was starving. And I can't even get my mind around, you know, your child is there and maybe your child hasn't made it because it's he or she starved to death. And the book of Lamentations has these passages like starving children at their mother's breast. And then the next verse is about them having to do this horrible thing just to survive. So the, the child passes away and the only food that you have is the food that you have. Right? Does that sound like the Bible? Is there, I mean, there's a reason probably that Lamentations is not probably preached on very often because it's just a hard scripture. Um, suffering is difficult. Um, when I think about this, like I said, I can't comprehend it. I've tried to imagine what would it be like if I saw my hometown being destroyed like this. But really what I go to is experiences that I've had um, with other people who have told me their stories. And so we've had the opportunity to go um, to a, a town that's close to the Syrian border in Jordan where a lot of refugees have gone. And this last trip that we went on you go to these houses and you sit and you hear these stories <clears throat> and this one guy was talking about his family and he said, where we lived, it just turned into chaos and there were men that were traveling around and they would just, they would kill other men and they would take their families and do with them what they wanted and then kill everybody in the family and that's just kind of what they did. And he said, so me and my family, we just tried to move every bit that we could to stay ahead of these guys. And finally I realized that we can't just keep moving like this. So I, I decided to pay someone to, to get us across the border. Yeah? Thank you, John. You want to use that? Yeah, I'll just do that. Very good. Thank you. You get tired of seeing me mess with it? Is that? Yeah, thank you. <clears throat> I've got little ears. It's... So he's telling us that he couldn't stay ahead of these gangs, and he just got tired of running. And so, uh, and his family's not a small family. It's like his wife and like five girls, and he pays someone to get them across the border, to put them on a truck, and he has to pay in advance. And then you just show up, and you show up, and there's all these people, like hundreds of people that have already paid to get on the truck. And they're like, you're all going to get in this truck. It's standing room only. There's no bathrooms. It's going to be hours before you get anywhere. And he says to the men, he says, this is not what I paid for. Like, what am I supposed to do with my, my family? Like, it's too hot. They could die. They could... And the guy who he paid turns to one of his workers and says, kill him. Just, you don't want to go? We'll just kill you. And he said, we, we had to get our family on the truck. And they made it. And when I read Lamentations, these stories that I've heard like that, this realization that this is not some ancient story. It's happening right now, all over the world. And the truth is, is suffering happens. Suffering happens. 
If you're a human being, you're going to experience suffering. I kind of have a cynical view of the world. It's one of my, it's a terrible thing, actually. But I just kind of figure everybody's broken or they're faking it, right? I mean, there's two people, the broken people who admit it and the broken people who are faking it. We've all had suffering, and what's wild is in a religious culture, I was, I was trying to prepare for this, and I was talking to some friends, like, if you were going to talk about suffering, what would you talk about? And it was amazing how often the conversation went to guilt. You know, I had, I had this time period that I went through, and it was tough. But, you know, my, my problems aren't near as bad as somebody else's problems. And I, sh- I shouldn't feel bad for myself. Isn't that funny? Like, we can't even accept our own suffering because we have this relative scale. Certainly, I've never experienced anything like the guy from Syria. But I have experienced suffering. I haven't experienced the things that are in this book. But I have experienced my own brokenness. Sometimes suffering comes out of sin. And in the book of Lamentations, like if we read the whole thing, what it would be is you'll see this little dance that goes on. Like, God, how is this happening and why is this happening to us? And then this explanation, oh yeah, the reason this is happening to us is because of our sin. We are being punished for our sin. Which would also feel pretty terrible in the middle of it all. And then it's, God, but I hope in you, I hope in you, oh Lord. And then it's, God, I don't even know if you're there, right? All that emotion. But sometimes the suffering in my life has been due to sin. I've gotten caught in my sins. And that, that's suffering. Sometimes it's due to things that happen in life. My mom passed away from breast cancer. It was like two and a half years of the most horrible thing to watch my mom, who I loved, go through this. And then most of you in this room have experienced something like that. Right? And then there's this suffering that happens because of the wickedness of the world where due to nobody's fault of their own, someone else's evil actions wreck lives. Wreck whole lives. I was speaking to a, a, a group of girls that were at a girls' home. So they'd come out from their homes because their homes weren't safe for them. And my, own, my old daughter was about to be born, and I was so excited that my own daughter was about to be born. And I had them write letters to my daughter that I would give, them when she, give her when uh, she was older. And after I spoke, this one girl says to me, I wish I had a dad like you. And I said, really? I said, what's your story? And she said, well, my dad and my uncle did these, they raped me over and over. And I remember getting in my truck and driving from, it was a Francis Willard home at the time, and I remember driving back to my home in Broken Arrow, and that journey across Tulsa was lament for me. Anger, frustration, and my prayer was, God, how can you let this happen? If I were in a room with someone who was going to do that to this girl and I let it happen, nobody would call me good. Not a single person would call me good if I let that happen. So God, how do you let that happen if you're good? And if you read the book of Lamentations, that's what it feels like. Maybe we deserve this, maybe, but that kid doesn't deserve this. Maybe we deserve this because of our sins, but really, God, this much? 
And I trust in you and I give my life to you and I'm hoping that you're going to make everything right and I've banked everything in my life on it, but it's really hard for me to understand that right now. Those are hard prayers to pray. And here in Tulsa, there was a period of time, I remember where if you said things like that, it's like, oh no, don't, you can't say that. You've got to have positive confession. Don't say those things about God. And then I would read scripture and realize that 60 of the 150 psalms, 60 of them are lament psalms. God, where are you? The water's up to my neck and I'm trusting in you, but I don't see you, but praise the Lord. Right? And then I read things like this. The Apostle Paul, in the book of Acts, it says you know, to Ananias, go and tell Paul and I will show him, Jesus is saying to Ananias, I will show Paul how much he must suffer for my name. And then if you look up the word like suffering with Paul, he talks about it a lot. And he says things to the Philippians like this. He says, you were blessed not only to believe in Jesus, but to also share in his sufferings. Okay. And then in chapter 3, Paul goes on this thing like, I could brag about being a Pharisee and all these things, but I consider that all a bunch of rubbish compared to knowing Jesus, and I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And who doesn't want to know that power? And then he says, and to also share with him in the fellowship of his sufferings. If you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to experience suffering. If you're human, you're going to have suffering. Suffering is a part of the journey, and Jesus engaged in suffering. And he lamented. The book of Hebrews says that in the days that Jesus lived, he went around with groans and cries out to God for the suffering that he experienced. Which is really a fulfillment of Isaiah 53. He was one who was acquainted with grief and suffering. He bore our infirmities. And we usually talk about that in the context of the cross. But Matthew 8 says that when Jesus was going around healing people, it fulfilled Isaiah 53. This was to fulfill that he bore our infirmities. When Jesus had compassion on people, he entered into their suffering. That's what compassion is, is to suffer with. So if we're supposed to be like Jesus, then suffering better be a part of our lives, and we shouldn't run from it. We don't run to it for its own sake. We engage the suffering of the world, which is going to bring us to this lamentation thing. God already knows what's on our heart. He knows our suffering. He, we can't hide anything from him. We know he knows every mistake that we made. He knows every doubt that we have. And it is an act of worship, I believe, and I think I can back it up with Scripture. It is an act of worship to say to God, I don't trust you, and I love you, and I want to trust you, so please, I'm just banking on you because it's all, it's this song that you sing. It's, you're all I've got. And that's a worship prayer. And that's a worship song that aligns with Scripture. Any community of followers of believers of Jesus should be one that people don't feel like they have to hide their suffering. They can engage it fully and be honest about it. They can be honest about their brokenness. They can be honest about their suffering due to their own sin. My life is really messed up, and it's because I spent a lot of years doing a lot of bad things. Right? That's it's my fault. Or these horrible things happen to me and I can't get past it. 
We also have this fix-it notion, you know? Well, if you give your life to Jesus and you apply these right principles, then everything will come together. That's just not true sometimes. You know, John, I listened to John's sermons online, and he was talking about Jeremiah 29, 11. You know, I know the plans I have for you, which is great, except for all the people, that letter when it was being written, I, I know these plans, and I'm going to bring you back at some point, but all the people who he was writing the letter to weren't coming back. It was going to be their children and their grandchildren. Like, I know the plans I have for you later, but right now it's going to be hard. And that was written during this time. I have the, my dear friend who I work for, his name is Bill Junk. He has a disease where his muscles are uh, wasting away. This man is one of the greatest men I've ever known. And he's my boss and he's my friend. He's saved lives and he continues to save lives in really just amazing ways. And he's got this sickness that unless a miracle takes place, which we pray for regularly, will leave him on a bed someday, unable to move. I lament for him. I don't understand it. Why evil, this is a scripture too, why evil men go on and on and on and good men have this, it doesn't make sense. And God, I'm admitting to you that I don't understand and I worship you and I love you even when it's hard for me to love you. Even when I don't want to love you, I'm just going to kind of hang on to that I do. And that's lament. Um, and you're not alone. Right? All of you are two types of people. You're either broken or you're lying about it. All of us. And suffering is relative. And I may not have experienced your suffering, but you've suffered and I've suffered. And we don't have to be fake about it. We can just be honest about it. And we have those friends we talked about that something's always going wrong. And you get tired of hearing how something's always going wrong. Do to them as the Lord does to you. I'm so glad the Lord doesn't say to me, oh, Jimmy, how many times have we talked about this? I mean, you're almost 50. You wrestled with that issue when you were 16, right? Mourn with those who mourn, the scripture says. Don't fix it. You don't have to fix it. Don't be Job's friends. Sit with people. Give them hope. Hey, man, I think it's going to turn out okay. I don't know how. I can understand how you don't see it, and I'll admit I have a hard time seeing it, but I think, I believe God's in this, and you're not alone. When my mom had cancer, I would go back to my, I'd go back to the bathroom, and I would have these breakdown moments. <clears throat> and I remember one time I was just really frustrated with God. My mom was abused as a child, had a rough life, men treating her not well. She finally came to Christ when I was in high school, and, and the Lord kind of restored her life and my dad's life. And just when things were getting really good, she came down with cancer. And I just remember saying to the Lord, why are you doing this? Like, 
Can't you heal her? And the minute that I found out that she had cancer, by the way, you know those prayers that you pray where it just feels like it's bouncing off the ceiling? That's the way it felt. But in this moment, I'm pouring myself out, kind of in this moment, and the Lord says, it's okay. And what he was, what he, the sense that I got was, it's okay for you to be angry at me. Lay it on me. And I got this image in my head of the soldiers punching Jesus and crucifying Jesus. And he says, and this is my Holy Spirit moment. I don't know if this resonates with you. He says, yeah, lay it on me. All the anger, all the frustration, all the things that are not right in the world, lay it on me. You don't have to take that and bear that on your own. Be mad at me. And so I, I was, and I did. And the strange thing is me allowing that to happen and that voice to me allowed me to be free from that anger and just kind of enter into a, a place of trust again. You're not alone. The Lord is with you in your suffering. He knows suffering. He's not surprised by suffering. His heart's been breaking from, from the world way longer than any of ours. I think he feels the things that we feel. You have a great community here. If you're someone whose life is, if you're going through it, share that with somebody. Continue to be, I love, continue to be the kind of community where you don't have to have it all together. Because the world needs a place where they can show up and not have it all together. And if you're going to strategize about how to reach Tulsa, the top question, I think, is where are people really broken? Not that we're going to come in and be their saviors, because there's only one. How do we join with those people and just be in life with them, whether they show up here or not? And you do that, the gospel will be proclaimed. And you'll also enter into these songs that you can just say, God, how come you don't fix things? Right? The end of Lamentations doesn't end with hope, by the way. It sort of does, but it kind of leaves everything hanging. So if you go to chapter 5 of Lamentations, it says, You, O Lord, you reign forever. You're the king. Not Babylon, not anybody else. You're the king. Your throne endures from generation to generation. He says, Why do you always... So you're the king, and you rule, and I'm worshiping you. So why do you forget us? Why do you forsake us so long? Restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may return. Renew our days of old. So there's the hope. Unless you have utterly rejected us and are angry with us beyond measure. So the last thing I want to say as I'm wrapping up. I saw, you know, I can see in your eyes. You're like, you're resonating. With, yeah, he's with us. You're resonating with all that. I just want to remind you, the moments that you don't feel like he's with you, it's okay to feel that. That's a biblical emotion, I guess I would say, because it's a human emotion, and God gets it. And you want to sing these songs, and you're just like, I just don't know if I can. Unless you have rejected us utterly. I mean, are you, maybe you just turned your back on me. I encourage you to trust that he hasn't, but it's okay to feel like he um, I guess we're going to have communion. Yeah? I will pray. Uh, communion where you, you uh, share in the broken body of Jesus. Yeah.
Father God, I just come to you feeling inadequate to express the things that you've taught me through this process. And I just pray that your Holy Spirit resonates, speaks the words that need to be spoken. God, your power is made clear in our weakness. And we pray at times, take this thorn in the flesh away from us, whatever suffering that may be. And sometimes your answer is no. We will still trust in you. In the moments where we can't trust in you, Lord, hold us close because you're faithful even when we can't be faithful. And we give our lives to you whatever way that we can. Open our eyes to the suffering in the world. In Jesus' name, amen.